Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. I hope you say that often this season. From my heart to you, Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas. Hello to you watching online, whether you're watching alone uh, with your family or whether you're watching in one of our house churches. Love those house churches. Merry Christmas. I am so excited for this series, A Weary World Rejoices. Raise your hand if you could use some joy this holiday season. Uh, I know I can. And our goal is that that COVID would not co-opt Christmas. And I think our study in Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2 will help serve us well. So let's pray and we're going to dive in. Father, Father, thank you. Thank you so much for bringing Jesus into the world. Jesus, thank you for coming to our rescue. We pray that you would give us joy as we dig into your word now. Give us hearts that are open and pliable to your Holy Spirit's conviction. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Huffington Post took to Twitter and asked a question, what song will mark 2020? Here's the top answers. First one, don't stand so close to me by the police. Second top answer, Dancing With Myself by Billy Idol. Third most popular answer, You Can't Touch This by MC Hammer. And then the fourth most popular answer, It's the End of the World as We Know It by R.E.M. Have you ever wondered about the power of song? What do songs do? Songs unite, uh, songs teach, songs trigger memories. Songs express our hearts in ways when mere words fail. I can remember the song, whenever I hear it, Don't Stop Believing by Journey. It takes me back to 2014 and the Giants World Series run. I'm actually so old, it takes me back to 1982 and a moment in time when I was in the Oakland Coliseum uh, seeing that sung live. It was amazing. Songs are amazing. And here's my question for us. Has 2020 stolen your song this Christmas season? This Advent, we want to do something about that. For the rest of the year, we're in a series called A Weary World Rejoices. And together, we want to discover something that 2020 and all its craziness can't take from us as followers of Christ. A song in our hearts actual worship that defies circumstances. We'll be in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1 and 2, and I invite you to hang out there all of December, because Luke begins his account of the first Christmas with the following words, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. That's Luke 2.1. In those days. Just like today, in those days the world was weary. In those days, life was hard. One of my favorite authors, Paul Tripp, calls Christmas the sufferer's holiday. Because he writes, in those days, death was common. Joseph and Mary were, were without hope. The Jewish people were under Roman occupation, I would even say under oppression from the Roman government. In those days, Israel was exhausted 
because they had waited and waited and waited for Messiah. How many of you are frustrated that we're in month eight of a pandemic? Israel lived 400 years since they last heard a prophet speak. Many had given up hope of even a Messiah coming. Some of them have even given up on God. His presence was no longer felt. His promises long forgotten. Well, friends, God knew the suffering, the pain of those days, just like God knows what we're experiencing in our days. I'll make it personal. What you're experiencing today, God knows we're weary. God knows all the pain and loss and hopelessness that we need. And God knows that what we really need from him is something that Amazon can't deliver that we put under a tree. So what if, what if everybody, what if this year the reality of Advent collided with our weariness? What if instead of allowing COVID to dominate the Christmas narrative, rejoicing in the Christ child did? I'm telling you, it's possible. This Advent, we're going to look into Luke's account. And what I've discovered is that there are five songs in the birth narrative. Five times people break out in song around the birth of Christ in those days, in those weary days. So my Bible's open to Luke chapter 1. The Word of God does the work of God. Let's open our Bibles and let's focus on the lyrics of the first rejoicer. She's a woman and our third daughter's named after her. Her name is Elizabeth. Elizabeth was a godly woman. In Luke chapter 1, verse 6, look, it says uh, that she was observing all the Lord's commands and decrees. Look at this word, blamelessly. She had a great faith. Now, she was married to Zechariah, who was a priest. And the couple didn't have any children. And Luke tells us they were very old. Now listen, infertility is terrible in our days. But in those days, infertility was looked on as a curse. That was your social security system, right? Your kids. And so they were looked at by the community as cursed somehow. And yet they still walked with God blamelessly. And then the angel Gabriel appears to Zechariah while he's serving in the temple. You can read about that. And announces to him, they're going to have a son. And Zechariah didn't believe the promise, and he silenced. I mean, literally silenced. He couldn't speak for nine months. And some of you saying, hey, can I pray for that for my spouse? No. Seriously, nobody is served well by a minister who doesn't believe the Word of God. And let me just pause and tell you, I am so thankful around here to a pastor, to a minister, to an administrator, we hold a high view of the Word of God. We trust God's Word. So, Zacharias silenced. But now let's turn and look at this from Elizabeth's perspective. Your husband comes home from work. He can't say a word. And then, to her great joy, she discovers she's pregnant in her old age. Weeks pass. Months pass. Like six of them. And one day, there's a knock at your door. Now, it was before ring. She couldn't see who was at the door, so she goes to it, and who's standing there? Her young cousin, Mary. And so here's two women, as we jump into our text. Both of them have a supernatural story to share. Neither of them knows each other's supernatural story. Elizabeth's story is remarkable, right? She's old, and she's expecting a child. 
But Mary has news of her own to share. And her story would actually one-up Elizabeth's story big time. Elizabeth had conceived, let's just call it the usual way, right? God blessed her and Zechariah and caused them to have a child in their old age. But Mary was a virgin. Jesus Christ wasn't conceived in the usual way. His life was not produced from any human father. God was coming to earth. This just blows my mind. You're going to hear it all December in the form of a human embryo to start in the womb of Mary. Or as it says in Matthew 1.20, what is conceived in Mary is from the Holy Spirit. So Mary arrives at the front door for her relative Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, after they have a little exchange, breaks out in song. I want us to look at this song and I want to make two observations on why Elizabeth could rejoice. And then I want to tie it to our day, which is much like those days, and see why we can rejoice too. Here's the first, okay? Here's why you can rejoice and why I'm going to rejoice this COVID Christmas season. Here's the first. She rejoiced because God came near. Look in your Bibles in Luke chapter 1, verse 41 to 43. Here's what it says. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, you're going to see the word blessed repeated three times here. And most commentaries, uh, commentators say that, that that blessed repetition is rhythmic. It was a song. So here's what she sings. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you'll bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. The Lord came near. She uses the word Lord, and that's a huge word, especially for a devout Jewish woman like Elizabeth. That word appears over 6,000 times in the Old Testament alone. And 100% of the time when it's spoken of God, the word describes the eternal creator God, the God who had no beginning, who has no end, who is all powerful and spoke the world into existence. The God at, uh, who, in whose presence every knee will bow, whom angels are worshiping endlessly. Look at this verse. This is the Lord she's talking about in Revelation chapter 4. You are worthy, our Lord in God to receive glory and honor, for you created all things. And by your will, they are created and have their being. That's the Lord she's talking about. Elizabeth and the baby within her, her embryo, John, were rejoicing because the Lord she knew from her hearing of the Old Testament, the eternal creator God, came near so near, he was on her doorstep in Mary's womb. Oh my gosh, this is mind-blowing. Joy in a weary world producing truth of Christmas. God was coming near. Look, I don't know about you, but just think about this with me. We rejoice when humans we love come near, right? I mean, I know this Christmas... 
uh, in a few weeks, I'll be picking up two of my daughters, one of whom was supposed to come near at Thanksgiving, but because of COVID, that was ruined. One who uh, didn't come at Thanksgiving, I haven't seen her in a long time. And my daughters are coming near. And can I just tell you, at the San Francisco airport, if you show up and look on the curb when I pick them up, you're gonna see a dad doing a happy dance, getting all undignified, because I rejoice when my daughters come near. How much more, friends, can we rejoice in our weary world because Jesus comes near to us? I want you to think about that. This actually changes everything. It changed everything for Elizabeth and it's in our birth narrative in the Gospel of Luke because it should change everything in us, too. You know, if you look at the life of Jesus, his whole ministry was coming near. His life was lived breaking through borders to come near to broken people like me, like you. He broke through racial borders and came near in John chapter 4 to a Samaritan woman. He broke through gender borders in this patriarchal culture all the time to come near to women and honor them. He broke through religious borders to, initi uh, to initiate with the diseased, the morally bankrupt, uh, pretty much everyone that the religious people or the temple had closed their doors to. Jesus is like, okay, you can't come to temple. I'm coming near to you. And it begs the question, I want you to think about this, okay? We're going to give you 30 seconds to think about this. If God came near to those categories of people, if God still is coming near to you and me, now this is important, if God wants to come near to our city, one neighborhood at a time, how will our city know the love of Jesus unless we, his followers, reach out and come near to this is why our priorities this year are so important, a family table and racial unity. We've got to follow the heart of Jesus and come near to a whole new generation so they don't grow up and graduate from high school and graduate from church like so many are. We have to come near to uh, other ethnicities and build a unity that is the rival of our city. We've got to come near, and we are in the coming weeks, to things like Kennedy through Kennedy Christmas, through Henry Ford Christmas, working with two of our local schools to provide Christmas. Uh, there's so many ways. If you go to our website, we're going to encourage you to come near. But here's the question I want you to ponder. Who is it in Christ that you are called to come near to so that someone knows Jesus came near to them? Take a minute and ask that question to yourself. Go. I know we only gave you 30 seconds for that question, but don't run through it too quickly. Listen, God wants to come near to our neighbors, to our city through us. That's so important. You know, God coming near, theologians call God coming to the earth, the incarnation. Uh, it's Jesus con carne, as I think of it, like Jesus with meat, Jesus with flesh, God with flesh. 
and author, theologian J.I. Packer in his classic book, Knowing God, says this, the incarnation itself is an unfathomable mystery, but it makes sense of everything else in the New Testament contains. The incarnation is the miracle that makes sense of everything else in the life and teachings of Jesus. The fact that God came near in the flesh, it's the only thing that makes sense of everything else in the life of Jesus. See, if Jesus is God in the flesh, who would be surprised if he'd perform miracles? That's what we'd expect from God in the flesh. It would be surprising if he didn't. If Jesus is God in the flesh, it's not surprising that he rose from the dead. What was surprising is that he stepped on to death through a cross in the first place. If Jesus is the eternal God, who would be surprised with him making bold statements like this? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Friends, if Jesus is the Lord who spoke our world into existence, and he entered into the world he created, who's surprised that he would expect the worship, the allegiance, the affection, the loyalty of every person on the planet that he created in the first place? This Christmas season, I know we're weary. I'm weary. But we can rejoice in this truth. God is still in the business of coming near through his Holy Spirit. Jesus is right where you are watching this. Whether it be in a house church or alone in your apartment or with your family, God is so close to you. Listen, the Lord came near. Listen to these verses in the Psalms. Psalm 145, verse 8. The Lord is near to all who call on him. Jesus' half-brother wrote this, James, in the New Testament, chapter 4, verse 8. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Why can we rejoice? Because God came near. But it gets better than that. Elizabeth didn't just rejoice because the Lord, the Lord came near. She rejoiced because God came near for her personally. You see this throughout the whole birth narrative. Christmas Eve will be in Luke 2. And in verse 11, the angels say to the shepherds in verse 11, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born, I love this, for you. Like It's like God singled out the shepherd and says, I know I'm coming for the world, but he's come for you personally. And that's the sense Elizabeth got. Elizabeth somehow had the sense, not only had the Lord come near, She's the first person in the New Testament to call Jesus her Lord. Look what it says in verse 43 of chapter 1 of the Gospel of Luke. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? (laughs) Think of the absurdity of that statement. She, in essence, is doing this happy pregnant dance in the doorway telling Mary that the baby inside of you He's come to earth for me. And the only suitable response is to give my full allegiance to this six-month baby in you. What she's doing by calling him the Lord is saying, he calls the shots. That baby in utero, Mary, I'm following him. In essence, we say it around here this way. She's believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. That's faith. 
She's declaring through the windshield of her life what will only make sense in the rearview mirror of her life. In other words, and please hear this, Jesus didn't come to simply be the Lord. He wants to be your Lord, my Lord. Jesus hasn't just come to the rescue. He came for your rescue. Now, in the Gadini house, we know a lot about rescues. We, there was a time we vacationed uh, at a spot that was a favorite of my wife's family up to her grandparents' generation. It's called Bethany Beach, Delaware. And we've had three lifeguard rescues in our family in Bethany Beach, Delaware. My wife, when she was a teenager, my brother-in-law, when we were there with him. But the one that was most pertinent to me that I witnessed was my daughters, Elizabeth and Mary Courtney. They were five and seven years old at the time. And they were swimming in Bethany Beach. We were there watching it. And unbeknownst to them and us, there was an undercurrent pulling them out. Now, we didn't, we didn't know it. They looked happy. But there came a point where they couldn't fight the undercurrent. And they didn't even know it. But you know who knew it? The lifeguards. So all of a sudden, we hear these whistles blowing as we're on the beach, and uh, a full-on lifeguard rescue is taking place, and we didn't even know it was for our daughters until they all went to the spot where our daughters were swimming farther out than we realized and went to them. And by the time they reached them, their rescuers said, let us take it from here, and then brought them safely to the shore. We were so thankful because that day we got on the beach, the lifeguards were rescuers. That day we left the beach, the lifeguards were our rescuers. They literally saved the lives of our daughters who didn't know they were in danger. Friends, that's what Elizabeth is singing and that's the reality of why Christmas should cause rejoicing for you and for me. Our Savior came to the rescue to a people who didn't even realize sin had so deceived us, we needed rescuing. And at the right time, Galatians 4.4 says, in the fullness of time, our rescuer showed up. So listen carefully. Because what I'm about to say is critical to Christmas making sense. And this is why we can rejoice in our weary world. You know, verse Chapter, I'm sorry, John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him, this isn't all play for all humanity. Christianity is the most inclusive belief system on the planet. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's a rescue. Now look at this. A lot of people don't, don't uh, recall verse 17. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. You know, when, when the lifeguards came to my daughters, they didn't say, what are you doing? Or, what are you, an idiot? They didn't heap condemnation on them. God doesn't heap condemnation on you. He came to save the world through Jesus. Jesus coming to earth as a baby. Friends, it was for you personally. Jesus saw you drowning in sin, in rebellion, in the choices you've made or choices that were made on you. He came to rescue you from danger and place you into safety. And the only thing he wants from you 
is the only thing the lifeguard required of my daughters. Yield. Literally, give control to Jesus. Receive his forgiveness. Invite him to direct your life, to take you from spiritual danger into spiritual safety, and to follow his leading. That's what it means. That's what Elizabeth meant when she called Jesus her Lord. That's what it means to call Jesus your Lord. Friends, I'm rejoicing this Christmas, and you can too, because God came near. Uh, This world, this 2020 COVID year, will not have the last word, because God promises to come near again, literally, and institute a new heaven and a new earth. I'm rejoicing because Jesus didn't come on an impersonal mission to save the world. He came for me to save my world, my life, and to reorient me towards him and redesign me for a life that's eternally significant. COVID can't take that away. PCC, don't lose your song. COVID's robbed us of way too much already, but it hasn't taken away this reality. God came near. God comes near through his Holy Spirit, through his church, he's coming near, and he's coming back for us. That should put a song in our hearts. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that you're near. I thank you so much that we can rejoice in these truths that nothing can take away. You created, you came to our rescue, you're coming back, and you haven't left us here on our own. So, Father, I pray if we know you, those who do know you, we would renew our mind with those truths, and we'd rejoice. We'd choose joy in defiance of our circumstances. I want to step out of the prayer and ask this. At some point, my daughters had to make a choice to give themselves as they were being rescued by the lifeguards to the control of the lifeguards to get them to safety. Have you come to the place where you realize you need to hand over control to the God of the universe who loves you, who ran after you when you ran away in your rebellion and your morally bankrupt life? Jesus didn't come to condemn you. He came to rescue you. And you can hand over the control of your life through a one-word prayer. It's that simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. It's a gift. Yes. Yes, I receive your gift of eternal life. Yes, I need a rescue, and you're my rescuer. Yes, take my life. Forgive my sins. Make me the person you want me to be. I'm done directing my life. Jesus, from now on, be my Lord. If you've never said yes to Jesus, you can do it right now. And in the next segment, you'll get a phone number to text into, and we'll get information on how you can grow with your rescuer. PCC, weary world, let's rejoice. God's come near. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.